0: The truth is I thought like listening to manifesting in today's age a few years ago if you'd asked me I would have kind of said well that's that foo-foo stuff you know I kind of like not into it right um but the truth is I you know what about that time that I was kind of thinking that like it started to become big and a lot of people were doing like affirmations and things I was realizing you know everything I'd ever done in my life was manifesting um from day one I was I was ta- speaking into existence my life, and that I w- I'm gonna, you know, I talk to Charles about, you know, I'm gonna marry a beautiful girl one day. And, um, and I even said that she was gonna be like, uh, have an accent or be a foreigner or something like that. Like, I kind of wanted somebody with a little bit of spice, something different about them. Yeah. And, uh, and it turned out my wife's Hungarian, speaks fluent Hungarian. So, and she's from Canada, you know, she's from another country, like I thought it, it would be, you know, it wasn't. I thought it might be Australia or something. I didn't know, but I just knew it was going to be something different.
1: Dan, you're the founder of Tap Out, Billionaire Collectibles, teacher.com, Grip Knife, and host of Pretty and Punk with Your Wife, which is just such a great show. Thank you for your time, man. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me, brother.
1: Excited to be on here.
0: Yeah, thank you. I, I, I like love the go,
1: American flag back yeah, behind you too there. For sure, dude. It's one of my sponsors called Combat Flags, man. Great company. Donates over $100,000 to help uh, veterans suicide uh, uh, with a company out there, man. It's just a one-man shot, man. It's the guy's out there killing it, dude.
0: I'll pick something up. I'll be sure to pick something up from him.
1: Right on, man. Um,
0: you know, with my shows, I like to go back. Like, where did you grow up, man? Well, what was childhood like for you? Um, it was, uh, I mean, we had, I had a great childhood as far as my family is a really tight knit family. Um, my parents are still married today, nice. happily married. And we're, uh, we've always, you know, I never, my parents were always wanted to make sure we were happy. Me and my brother, it was me and my brother and I have a younger brother, but we grew up in a really <clears throat> bad neighborhood. Hmm. So like we had, uh, from, but I really, you know, it's weird how looking back. You know, my parents, my dad will go. Oh, it wasn't that bad, but I'll be like, we were in shootouts in front of our house, Dad. Mom got mugged in front of the house at the doorstep and knocked off of her feet. You know, and her purse ripped out of her hand. We've been in fights on our front lawn. We've been in all of our cars have been stolen, every single one of them, at one time or another. Our house had been broken into five times. You know, it's like it was that neighborhood, but we just didn't really think about it too much. We didn't, you know, we 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 enjoyed our time. We had fun at school we were you know fun loving kids riding our bikes around playing ninjas so nice. we didn't think about it too much but it was a we, we lived in kind of a mostly all black neighborhood so all my a lot of my friends were black and we just you know it was kind of we just enjoyed ourselves yeah well we're and then locals. you end up
1: you end up being a police officer before you guys launched TAP out there. Was that environment kind of the motivation to become a police officer or what motivated you to become a police officer?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, seeing that environment, seeing a lot of, uh, you know, bullies and underdogs and, you know, I always wanted to kind of be be the protector of those guys. I wasn't scared to, you know, sometimes I, I maybe, you know, there was a couple of times I said things when I probably shouldn't have said things. You know, it's like trying to stand sure. up for people remember saying something to somebody and I got jumped in the McDonald's parking lot by like five guys. You know, it's like those things, it's just part of growing up. I'm sure you had this, you know, similar stuff in high school. Yeah. It's just regular high school to me, but I just didn't like bullies and I wanted to stick up for them, stick up for the underdog. And so it made me want to be a police officer. And um, actually my partner in tap out Charles, he, he was, we both decided to be police officers together. And so we both kind of entered the police department about the same time. Okay. Man, that's so cool. And like, while
1: you're a police officer, you're running tap out, you're answering the tap out phone, like tap out clothing. People are making fun of you. At what point did you decide to walk away from being a police officer? And then how did it feel to leave that salary and then go to that entrepreneur? I mean, that's scary.
0: Well, it was, it kind of, you know, I tell the story in, it's a little bit out of context when I tell the story, but I actually got fired from the department that I was working for. I had, I had, um, you know, and so I was. I was kind of depressed in a way that I got another job, but it wasn't at the police department that I wanted to be at, and so I just stayed there as like a part-time police officer for just a few years, and and then I just quit altogether. So um, it was just a time when I just thought, oh, you know what? I'm this isn't. I wanted. I had this expectation of being on, you know, LAPD or Long Beach PD, you know, being on this great police department and saving lives and being in the news. And, you know, whatever. I mean, not really trying to be in the news, just trying to help people in, in a bigger way. And, you know, when I got mixed up in the department, it just wasn't so much like that. You know, like you have this expectation that you're going to be this superhero and the lines are really blurred. There's a lot of gray area and you find yourself taking people's cars from and 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 i when i say i i I got fired i really didn't get fired i i quit in lieu of but it was it was uh the department was going through a lot of problems it ended up getting absorbed by a the sheriff's department uh uh, just like six months later after i left because the whole department was out of whack and i was just on the wrong side of the fence when it happened (laughs) you know i was i was on this team and the other team won so right it was just uh, i I didn't get fired for anything they I was on probation because the I worked for years there as a as a was what they they made a new position where I was like a reserve police officer that was getting paid. So I worked for like three four years there four years there as a like this reserve police officer. But I was a regular police officer. I was still working every single day and uh, on patrol. And then when the budget when the budget opened up, they hired me as a full time officer. But I was still under probation. And so it gave them, when this whole thing went down with this other officer, it just gave them an excuse to just get rid of me because I was on probation. They didn't need a reason. Sure. They, just got, they just got rid of me. So yeah, I was just part of this politics thing. And I had no hard feelings, but I knew at that point I probably wasn't going to go to a regular police department. And um, it just, my I had a sour taste in my mouth for it after that. You know, it was I was taking people's cars that, you know, because their license was suspended and they, you know. I can remember this guy crying, telling me, you know, he's not going to ever have a, he's going to lose his house because he can't get to his job and his family's there. And, you know, but I didn't have a choice. You know, sometimes we had things that we just had to do. We didn't have a choice. We didn't have a choice to let him go. Yeah. We had to take the car. And so it was just, and I saw some things, you know, that didn't feel right. And I just wanted to be better than that. And I'd been brought up better than that. And so I just, I just, I, I it left a sour taste in my mouth. And at that point I was looking. yeah. And uh, so in this opportunity, when my partner came to me, he was at the sheriff's department. I was working for the police department. He's at the sheriff's department. And uh, that was Charles. And he came to me, he goes, hey, we were training. We started training at the Gracie's after we fought, saw the first UFC. Yeah. And so we were driving down to Torrance, which was like an hour away. We were driving down there once a week to go train with, with Hoyce. And it was, it was just, uh we we just loved it you know we wanted to be there all the time and wanted to be training all the time so in between we'd train in his garage or my house uh we just lay out mats and train and train there nice and he just uh he just said what do you think about starting a clothing company you see how many shirts the gracies are starting and I was like, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. But it, I mean, we, had, we didn't have grand expectations. So we were just thinking about selling shirts to our friends. And we talked about selling it. We'd go to these tournaments and there'd be tables there sometimes, you know, where people were set up Yeah. Uh, and they were selling mostly like local companies. So like if um, there was like if Kleber uh, was throwing a, a or Joe Morera was throwing a, a fight, I mean, a, a jujitsu tournament, then you'd be able to buy his shirts there so we thought what if we created a company that was kind of neutral where it didn't matter if you train with joe mara or you trained with club luciano or you trade with uh you know hoist gracie it didn't matter where you train you could buy this shirt and it was neutral through all those camps and then also we, we, you know we were all about ultimate fighting and even though it was still kind of underground then and yeah. it was basically illegal in every state almost you could uh uh, you could buy our shirt and train at whatever camp you wanted to go train at, whether that be the lion's den or shark tank or wherever that was. So um, that was the idea. And we just started, we just started, we started, put one foot in front of the other. And we actually had another company. It was called warrior caliber. We, right. we had two names and we were trying to figure out which name would be better at that time. So we were at, for a while there, we were selling both shirts. Okay. So we had warrior caliber and we had top out shirts and we didn't really see it as like, a brand yet it was kind of like okay let's just sell these two shirts because they were cool and we're like we have a tap out shirt but it wasn't like a brand yet yeah and uh and it just started and then it just felt good when you started selling stuff and it just we just said man if we could keep doing this for the rest of our lives this would be pretty cool
1: for sure mask was such a great dude at least that i've seen from my perspective right
0: what kind of person was charles Another level. I mean, he was, you know, he was almost 10 years older than I was. So he was kind of my mentor. And I I looked up, he just, you know, he had had more life experience, and he actually trained me. So what happened was, we started out as security guards at a high school. And, and then we went, that's when we decided, let's be police officers. And so we put ourselves through the academy. Um, But when we were security guards, he taught, he trained me, I was just out of high school. And my parents worked my dad was a machinist for the school district and my mom was a teacher's aide so i kind of had this in so i went when i was the youngest person ever to get hired at the school district as a security guard for you know the school district and so we worked for they actually have a school police but we were we weren't school police we were just school security at the time gotcha and uh so he trained me my first day on he was the guy they put me with and he was he i just he was quiet But he had been training in taekwondo and he could literally, I mean, he could kick over, he could just hold his foot right over my head and, you know, just put it up like that. And he had this crazy back kick that he started teaching me. He goes, hey, we're going to work on back kicks every day. So while I was training with him, or while I was, um, you know, going through the motions of learning how to do uh, the security guard work, um, he said, hey, every day we come over here to this pole and we practice back kicks. And uh, so he had this crazy back kick. Uh, if you ever watch Joe Rogan's back kick, it's pretty similar to that. Yeah. And he could launch somebody. I mean, launch, he'd damn near knock a tree off its foundation. I mean, that's how hard he would kick. And, you know, he's 6'2". I'm 5'7". He's 6'2". He's a lot bigger than I am. And uh, so we just go over and we would spin and throw our kick up. And of course, my kick was a lot lower than his kick. But he goes, but he shot, he, he taught me how to throw power into it. So yeah. even at a low kick, I mean, it was still like a mid kick, you know, like a waist kick. Sure. And he's, throw, he's throwing up towards the face or touching him in the jaw if he wanted to. Um, you know, he's throwing this other kick, but we, we'd practice spin and touch the tree, spin and touch the tree. And uh, and that's where I just kind of just, we just became really good friends. And we started talking all the time. He was reading the Bible a lot. And um, he was kind of introduced. I mean, I was, I grew up in church. So we had a lot of discussions about that. Yeah. And uh, we just had a really good relationship and we became best friends. We started hanging out every day, man.
1: So awesome. Now you're also the founder of billionaire collectibles, which is where you curate autographed historical documents for leaders and entrepreneurs. You have teacher.com, which is where you teach people how to run a t-shirt company. No one better than you for sure. And you've <laughs> got grip knife, which is super badass. like as an entrepreneur, founding multiple companies, having money, having success, what excites you the most when you wake up in the day, man?
0: Um, you know, I I love that. Well, me and my wife have a a podcast too called the pretty and punk podcast. Yeah. And that's kind of exciting me right now. I'm excited about talking to other people that are like-minded and being in those circles, uh, you know, like you interviewing great people that, you know, that I normally wouldn't probably, I mean, I, I would talk to maybe casually, but maybe not talk to in this way interrogate really, you know, just yeah, yeah. being able to ask all those questions you want to ask. Yep. And so I think I enjoy that a lot with my wife. I enjoy doing that. I enjoy working with her. She's kind of my best friend. So we just enjoy doing that stuff now. And uh, I am feel fortunate that I can do that and have my kids here. And um, we work out of our house most of the time. Yeah. And uh, I just didn't want to get in office again for a while. <laughs> I, I've been years of going into the office and having this office. And I just decided, hey, let's do it all from home right now. So, yeah. you know, we kind of worked out with this whole COVID thing in California. We were on lockdown for so long. We're still in lockdown pretty much. So um, it all worked out pretty much for the better.
1: I love your guys' show and the stories that you guys have so, you know, had, you know, told on there about your own personal lives. I mean, your wife, Ildico, is her story is unbelievable how she got to where she's at and where she's at today. If, just more of a personal question. Where'd you guys meet? And
0: then what's your favorite part about married life, man? Well, um, we actually met on Twitter. Now we have two different stories. She, I say, she was chasing me around. She says I'm chasing her around. She's yelling in the background here. (laughs) So, anyways, I don't know. I saw this pretty girl on Twitter who owned this concrete company, and she was she was actress, and she you know was doing a bunch of cool stuff. And uh, so we started talking, and I just so happened to be I was in vegas for ufc and she was in vegas for what they call the world of concrete okay and uh and we just i said hey do you want to meet up and we just started talking we actually hung out for like well kept talking for like six months or so before we you know became a thing before we kissed each other sure (laughs) yeah so uh it, it worked out good it was like a you know i just i think i just enjoyed having yeah at that time, you know, Charles had passed. And mm-hmm. so um, it was a few years after Charles had passed and it's like 2012 or 13, somewhere around there. No, no, no. And I just really enjoyed having somebody else to talk business with, you know, yeah. that like bounce those conversations off of each other. And it just made it that much better that she was good looking too, you know. That, sure. and, that, uh, and that, you know, she was a girlfriend too. So she, it all just worked out. It was just all that stuff together yeah made it pretty enticing uh man that's
1: awesome love that story dude and you guys talk about on your your show Mm -hmm. which is kind of tailored towards entrepreneurs who have kids right you know you guys talk about like manifesting things how important is it to manifest things
0: i think it's it's i mean you know the truth is i thought like listening to manifesting in today's age a few years ago if you'd asked me i would kind of said well that's that foo-foo stuff you know i kind of like not (laughs) into it right um but the truth is, I you know what uh, about that time that I was kind of thinking that like it started to become big and a lot of people were doing like affirmations and things. I was realizing you know everything I'd ever done in my life was manifesting. Um, from day one, I was I was ta- speaking into existence my life and that I, I'm gonna you know I talked to Charles about you know I'm gonna marry a beautiful girl one day and um, and I even said that she was gonna be like. A, have an accent or be a foreigner or something like that like I kind of wanted somebody with a little bit of spice something different about them yeah and uh and it turned out my wife's Hungarian speaks fluent Hungarian so and she's from Canada you know she's from another country like I thought it it would be you know it wasn't I I thought it might be Australia or something I didn't know but I just knew it was going to be something different yeah and uh so she has that and uh she hasn't interesting name and i and then i always thought that um you know we always said you know one day i'm going to live by the beach i remember driving down the down pacific coast highway and down the beach and looking at all these houses one day i want to live over there now like i I live right in front of the water i'm staring at water all the way wherever i look so you know i mean all those things and even i was telling this story yesterday that um i used to drive my van to la uh, listening to I, i couldn't afford tony robbins Um, tapes so I would I would record his infomercial on an audio tape you know like an old recorder right and I would listen to his infomercial because I couldn't afford his program which was like $800 at the time and so I would listen to his infomercial for like inspiration I can remember driving to LA just tears flowing down my face and just you know I'm gonna do this we're going to make it. We're going to be successful. We're going to make this happen. We're going to be the biggest clothing company on the planet, you know, just speaking all this stuff. And, um, and, and I just remember how much influence Tony had on my life at that time. And I, and I, I, I didn't really have any buddy to look up to other than Charles, you know, there was no mentors or anything like that in San Bernardino where we were, grew up. Yeah. And, uh, and so I'd always had that in the back of my mind. And then uh, several years later, uh, when we were doing, you know, a hundred million dollars in sales, um, I ran across Tony at the uh, Four Seasons in Las Vegas. And I saw him over there and I was like, uh, I'm never going to have this chance again to tell him how much he meant to me, you know, how, what he did for my life. Yeah. And I felt like I manifested this moment into existence. You know, he's sitting right there waiting for me to go talk to him. And so I went over there and said, you know, I said, Mr. Robbins, uh, you know, uh, you know, I hope a a minute of your time, you don't know me, but I'd love to tell you what, how you changed my life. And two hours later, we like sat there for like two hours talking. um, And he, uh, I gave my business card and I thought I'd never talk to him again. And uh, a couple months later, he calls me and you remember that infomercial that I'd been watching? He asked me to be on his infomercial. He says, I have, I have Serena Williams, Mark Burnett, the, the founder of Survivor and, and, uh, and The Apprentice, and uh, Donna Karen, um, you know, the founder of the other clothing company. Yeah. And, uh, and I want you to be my fourth person on this infomercial because you have a story that you need to speak to certain people who will listen to you. And uh, so they came to my office and filmed me, and I was on probably like his last real television infomercial. Sure, um, And just an incredible moment for me, you know, having that come around circle like that.
1: Oh, my gosh, man, that is unbelievable. I'm a huge fan of Tony Robbins and Ed Milet. And he talks about the same thing, you know, driving out to Malibu, where I think he has one of his houses, like same thing, saying, I'm going to live here someday you know, and, and now he's got a house up here in Coeur and I'm the same thing, man. I'm like always trying to figure out how I can, you know, uh, manifesting, like, all right, I'm buying that property. And I always tell my wife, like, not really joking, but I'm like, Hey, if once I find the property that I can pee off the front porch and no one's going to call the police on me, then I'm good, man. <laughs> like yeah. I found the right property.
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
1: Man, last question for you. I'm a huge music fan. So love to ask this, like, what's your favorite type of music or favorite band for you?
0: You know, it's so weird. Um, I was all through high school or actually started in junior high um me and my friend uh we they the school I went to the small little school prep school actually got kicked out of there but okay. <laughs> but I started there in seventh grade By poor parents it was horrible for them because they'd waited in line to get me in this school like for three days and then I go and do something stupid and get kicked out and uh but uh, during that time, you know, they used to do announcements every morning and they would come and read. Somebody would read the announcements in front of the class and they asked for they said, hey, we need wow. a DJ. We can't afford to pay a DJ. If anybody knows a DJ who can work under these circumstances, you know, for normally they pay a DJ like 200 bucks. They, they could only afford to pay 80 bucks. OK. And um, and me and my friend went to the principal and said, hey, we're DJs. But we weren't DJs. We didn't know anything about DJing at the time. We just remembered that these two DJs that came in were getting all the girls and everybody was talking to them. So we're in eighth grade. We tell them we're gonna we're DJs and we'll DJ the next dance. And we literally, you know, we didn't have Google or anything back then. So we had to go to like Radio Shack, talk to these guys and find out, you know, what can we do to put this DJ system together? So we like put my dad's record player with his dad's record player and this amplifier that his dad had which was just like a home amp it wasn't like a industrial amp you know it was like a home amp and you know it was horrible and these wood speakers you know like the old wood speakers totally it was horrible it was a horrible and a radio shack it was called realistic mixer and it was just okay. like a four channel mixer that we had bought it was the only investment that we really had made because it, that's how we didn't have a lot of money and so we we knew we were going to make 80 bucks so we like borrowed like 80 bucks from our parents so we could buy this mixer and uh we dj'd our first dance and we became djs at that point and we DJed all through high school we started djing all the colleges and high schools in the area junior highs and we became probably the biggest djs in the area after a while and so I, that's how i put myself through high school and uh, so I'm a really eclectic as far as music goes, man. I listen yeah. to everything. I mean, I can find greatness in Sinatra, and I mean, if you look at my phone, I'll have Sinatra, Barry Manilow, um, you know, a bunch of '70s music, every rap song you've ever heard from the '80s to you know to the to now. Yeah, um, uh, a little bit of country here and there um you know pretty much everything i love show tunes i like nice. I, I like everything so and i even love my kids you know all the disney music i always download it because i'm, I'm kind of into that too
1: yeah so absolutely. I, enjoy,
0: I enjoy all that stuff so there's yeah. nothing really that i mean i to say that i like one music over another um i it would be hard for me to say i listen to every single type of music out there it's always just been a part of who i am and i feel like it makes you up as a person
1: yep Oh, yeah. My kids are 11 and 8, man, and same sort of thing, man. Like, we always have music playing in the house, and it's from,
0: you know, worship to Nickelodeon to Disney to yeah. metal, the, you know, hip-hop. I love worship and- music, too. You know, I love tons of Christian bands, and yeah, I, I, especially a lot of Christian bands that were around when I was listening to some Christian bands when I was younger. Yeah. And so, like the Alter Boys, and I listened to a lot of punk, Black Flag over here, you know, yeah. all the punk music, so like I said, everything, nothing is, nothing is off of my list. I'll listen to folk, whatever. It doesn't matter. Right on.
1: Uh, Dan, where can folks follow you? Where Where do you like them to to follow you and connect with you most? Uh, definitely they need to go check out pretty and punk podcast, but is there uh, where's the best place for folks to connect with yet?
0: Yeah, I'd say Instagram's probably the best, you know, okay. I'm pretty responsive and, and I, uh, I have somebody who helps me with that. So I get a lot of messages on there, especially lately. <laughs> Yeah, um, but uh yeah it's uh the pretty and punk podcast we're we're on there we put out an episode every week of entrepreneurs that have kids and you know really how they're able to do what they do because it's you know it's challenging running a business that you love and and sure. having a family that you love and trying to give you know if you want 360 success you got to have success in all those areas you yep. can't go build a business and turn it into this you know, huge company, this hundred million dollar company and then turn around your family's gone. That's not yep. success to me. Yep. Um, so there's a lot of people who have jumped off buildings. who have got a lot of money. And uh, I, you know, I, I, so we're trying to help people not be those people. And uh, so I, we enjoy that. And um, you can go to pretty and punk uh, or pretty and punk podcast on Instagram or tap out punk on Instagram, either one of those, you can catch, you can catch us. And, uh, and we, yeah, we love talking to you, love hearing people's stories about their business and their, what they're doing right now. Um, I encourage people to jump on there and message me. It's a
1: great show, man. And absolutely you guys you are very responsive on Instagram. So just want to give that shout out for sure. Dan, absolute honor to have you on the show. Top rated may was inspired by tap out. It's still going today, man. You and your wife are doing amazing things, man. Keep changing the world. Such an honor. Thank you for your time, man. Thanks brother. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for watching the show today. I appreciate it. If you could, please leave a rating and review on our Apple podcast. The link is down below. That helps us get our message out, get the show out, helps us get ranked out there on the Apple podcast. Also, leave a comment below, man. I'd love to know what part of this show made the most impact on you. I respond to every comment on there. And please share this video, whether you're watching on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Please share it out. We want to make sure that we impact as many people as we can with the guests that come on my show and highlight those guests and what they've got going on and they're changing the world. So thank you so much for the time. So appreciate it. Have an awesome day.